BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, everyone? I'm Kristen Cavallari. And I'm Stephen Coletti. We're so excited to announce Dear Media's new podcast, Back to the Beach with Kristen and Stephen, where we'll revisit all of your favorite episodes of Laguna Beach, The Real Orange County, and unveil behind-the-scenes secrets, tea, and all sorts of new insight into this groundbreaking show. So join us every Tuesday starting July 19th. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm already feeling nostalgic. Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to uh, Divorce Not Dead. And this week's solo podcast is coming to you all the way from my bedroom in Dubrovnik, where I'm hiding because I've had however many weeks of four children and it's been crazy. So actually, this is a welcome break. So thank you for making me do this. I put up a question box on my Instagram to find out what you would needed, what questions you wanted to have answered by me. And so I thought I would run through those today. I get asked so many questions by you and I'm sorry I can't answer them all. And we do actually have this answering machine service number that you can call and we will take your messages and try and do podcasts on all the things that you're asking about. I actually got a really interesting topic asked for me yesterday, which is about what to do when you're in the throes of a divorce and you don't see any happiness out the other side and crying through it. So that is one that I will tackle. But here are your questions. So number one, what is the hardest part about dating a younger guy? Now I get asked this all the time. I mean, I've now been with Sergio, what, three and something years. And it's fascinating because he's still my toy boy to all of you. He's still not a legitimate boyfriend, husband, whatever, because you're all sat there waiting for this uh, 27-year-old to leave me. Now, my point to you all, and I've said it and said it and said it and said it, is what's to say that my 50-year-old husband with three kids, you know, that I could have married, wouldn't have left me either. 
Because frankly, you know, blending families today is so bloody complicated. I have girlfriends of mine who can't see their husband, their new boyfriends or husbands, you know, not husbands, but the guys they're dating because they've got children certain weeks because they can't be there when their children are there. When they do see each other at seven kids, I mean, I've got three and then you go on holiday and they want to bring a friend. Now I've got five kids on holiday with me or six kids on holiday and that's enough. And it's bloody hard work. And all of you, it's not a holiday. And all of you, you know, we get more and more and more stressed out. Now, the great thing about having a young husband or a young boyfriend is he's got energy. He's got all the energy in the world. If not, if if anything, I'm boring for him. Like, you know, I don't I don't have the energy to go and play tennis for hours and on end or play with drones or go swimming for hours. So my kids and him do that. My teenage daughter has fun with him. They go off and like, you know, go around town and go shopping. And he has all the energy to kick a ball with my boys, go on jet skis, go on couches. So it really doesn't impact our relationship like that. If anything, it enhances. Of course, there are times when Sergio is absolutely kaput right? And they're not his children, obviously, and he hasn't had children. So, you know, he's been thrown into this world of like kids. And at this age, you know, we all know children can be incredibly selfish. It's all about them, you know, and what they want, their needs, not about us. And everything's boring, mummy. Everything's crap. Every meal, you know, it's, it's like everything's a fight. So, you know, you need someone who is flexible, who's easygoing. Now, you know, as I said, it's not about age. It's about the person. You're either ready or not. I don't think Sergio would have walked down that aisle if he didn't feel ready. I really don't. We were in a very good place. That's my point. And when everyone keeps saying on the TV show, I didn't. I kept saying I didn't want to get married. I think people are missing my point here. Okay, I didn't mean Sergio pushed me into getting married. What I meant was I was content with my life, completely content with my life, which is a wonderful place to be. I don't need a piece of paper or a ring to make me feel fulfilled in any way, shape or form. So the reason I got married is because I do have a younger boyfriend and husband who does want that step in his life. You know, he needs that because everyone thinks he's too young and that because everyone doesn't give him a chance, you know, to say, look, I've married her. I'm staying. I'm not here for the next six months. But what I do want to say to you is we've been here, what, three, three and a half years? Oh, is it three years? I don't know. I'm terrible on timings, but whatever it is, three years. That is a relationship in anyone's boots. What is a legitimate relationship? What is long enough time for Sergio to prove himself that he is here? You know, anyone can leave at any time. I know, you know, much younger guys that don't last three and a half years. I know single girlfriends of mine who've dated what other people would consider the correct age or the correct person on paper. And it's lasted about six months because they couldn't cope with all the baggage that someone like me or they come with. Sergio deserves respect like anyone else. And the only issue I can see, really see, is just picking the right one. Obviously, there are twits at 24 and 27, total twits that just want to have sex with an older woman, 100%. But there's also total twits at 55 and 60. 
who are players and just want to do exactly the same. So, you know, it's all relative. It's about the person. You can't just say because he's young, he's going to leave me. That's not entirely true. Look at all the ones that have stayed. There are, you know, relationships like this that have worked. And even if Sergio leaves in 10 years or five years, so what? Why is why are you all so sure that's game over for me? Plenty of women go on to have a third marriage or a fourth marriage. Why are you telling me that there is no one that will ever love me again afterwards? I think I'm pretty fabulous and getting more fabulous. Okay, so what? You get a fucking wrinkle. I mean, these days, you know, who's to say I'm all up for a facelift. So I intend to grow old, as I said, disgracefully, not gracefully. So I'm going to be straight up to have my face fixed and I'll be looking young for quite a long time. If Sergio wants to go, I've always told him the door is there. As to anyone, I've told you that it's all about the people, the souls, the connection. It's nothing to do with age, people. So get that through your heads. Okay? And again, I am not preaching for all of you ladies to run out there, dump your husbands and find a 24-year-old because absolutely not. I am the exception to the rule, not the rule. I don't know how it's happened, but it's happened. Sergio wanted to get married to, you know, cement himself. And it's not for money. I know you'd all like to think that I pay him these vast sums of money. I just don't. And we have an airtight, whatever it's called, prenup. So good luck with that. Next question. How do you help your partner connect with your children? Well, I mean, you know, it's very hard. It's kind of 10 steps forward and five steps back or 25 back sometimes, you know, sometimes it can go really, really well. And we still, we still struggle. We still get to this point where they can argue and argue and he'll, they'll push them over the edge and they'll be like, you're not my father. Don't talk to me like that. You know? And at the same time, Sergio's there. So he does sort of have to be able to have rules and put down his feelings and not always bend to the children because as they keep telling him that he's not their father. And also then you get that stepdad, you know, that father relationship where the father comes in and goes, don't you tell my kids off because you're not the father as well. So it's a very complicated relationship to have. And what I do think is, you know, Sergio never, ever, ever tried to be that to them or wanted that. You know, he's always sort of implied he's like having a, I don't know, a big brother friend, right? So he does all the fun stuff with him. Again, they go to the park, they go to the, they do the slides and the swimming things and all the crazy stuff I don't have the energy to do, roller coasters, I mean. And I guess all of that slowly, slowly helps them bond. He's very, very, very loving with them. You know, when one of my sons sort of found it hard at the beginning to understand why Sergio would be in my bedroom and not him. So like Sergio would sometimes sleep in his bed and let him sleep in my bed. You know, we did baby steps. You know, now he's moved to the floor sometimes and he sleeps on the floor and then they swap. Um, Sergio has really, really, really gone out of his way to cultivate this relationship with them and sort of prove himself to them and listen to them. He sits with them. After school, they go, you know, and sometimes I'm so busy with all the stuff that I do and I don't have 
all the time in the world. Sergio really does go and sit and listen to them and ask them questions. How are their days and all of this, you know, takes them out for one-on-one dinners without me. Again, it's been really, really up and down because sometimes he'll have an amazing relationship with him and then they'll get back to their dads, realize that, you know, they miss their dad or whatever. And then it, it starts all over again. So it just is taking each day by day, not forcing anything, listening to them, doing things that they want to do on the weekends, um, trying to spend time with them, giving themselves your time because, you know, that's all you can do. And, um, you know, when they have questions, answer them the best way you can. And they're very, very sweet with him now. They really are. They ask him things like, now, you know, if mommy can't have a baby, will you still stay? If anything happens to mommy, will you still stay? And when that shows me that they do love him now. So it's really, really wonderful. Dating tips. Well, I mean, you know, I was quite looking forward to doing that. I didn't really get to do that. So I think my only dating tip is, and why I think, you know, maybe I got the man that I wanted in the end was, you know, the confidence. Dating to me is don't go on a date and moan. If you're divorced, don't go on and talk about your ex-husband, you know, how shit your divorce is, how hard it is being a single parent, all of this crap. If you're a single person with dogs and cats, don't talk about your cats like they're children. I mean, you know, think about fun. Think about you know, how to have the best time with that person and be in the moment. And I think that's the most important thing. I think because I'd been such a long marriage and I wasn't looking for anything else. When I went out, I wasn't looking to date. So I'd want to go bowling. I'd go to the cinema. I'd like, you know, go to a club. I'd go ride a bull on sunset, like literally go and live my best life, not thinking about anything else, which was so attractive to men because I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking desperate. And I think that that's just really really the point. No sad, no desperation, no talking about what you've lost, what you could have had, you know, how bad things are. Just try and live in the moment like, and be fun and upbeat. Nobody wants to, you know, listen to a bore snore all the time. Nobody wants a depressed person. You know, even if you're lying through your teeth, be fun, be upbeat, be interesting, ask questions about their life. What do they like to do? Men love, love, love you to be interested in them. Smile, smile. You look happy. You know, those really are the dating tips. I, you know, also if you're finding it hard to date, I really think you need to change your patterns. You know, there's always, I have those girlfriends that say there are no good men in this town. Bollocks. You just can't find them. Change your dating patterns. Don't go to the same restaurants. Don't go to the same clubs. Don't hang out with the same friends. There are plenty of places to go. If you live in LA or you live in London, there are surrounding areas, you know, like New York, you know, drive further. Look in, you know, libraries, golf clubs, bars, go to the theater, put yourself out there. I met Sergio in Newport Beach the first night I'd ever been and he was in the audience. I mean, that is fucking nuts. So, you know, you just never know. You never know. Go to places that you've never been, do things you've never done before. And honestly, that's my biggest, biggest tip for you all. Did I delete all 
my old pictures with my ex and pictures with your kids and the ex? Absolutely fucking not. No, I did not. Why would you do that? I've been 18 years with my ex. I'm not trying to delete him out of my life. Do I have pictures of him and me in the house up? No, absolutely not. But at the end of the day, they're my children's father. So, you know, I mean, if they've got pictures of him in his room, I think I do have a couple of pictures on my family wall of my ex-husband with the kids. All my Instagram pictures are still there. I didn't delete any of them because that's my old life. Why am I deleting my old life? I'm very proud of my old life. And I don't think that you should send that message to your children. Why would I send that message to the kids? Still the dad, nothing's changed. And we had 18 wonderful years. So absolutely not. I don't know if he has. I think there's still a picture of me up in the house with the kids. Financial health for women, question five. Well, this is a big one. Again, I get asked this and I always stumble. What happens if you don't know how to earn money or you don't have any money? Now, listen. There are two things to this. You don't have to have a pot of gold under the bed. And I think that's what people think that I do. I am very good at making money. Always have been, always will be. And put me into a corner, I'll come out kicking. So you don't need to have that. You do need to have a brain on your head and you can't play a victim. So as I've always, always said, don't give up your bloody job for anyone unless he's employing you for some reason or he's going to pay you a salary that will you know, be paid all the way through your marriage so that when you come out of it, you have something, which I don't believe most men want to do and don't do anymore. So what do I mean by financial health for women? Don't give up your day job is absolutely the number one thing. It's not about the amount of money you earn because you can always increase. You can always, it's just, it's about knowing how to earn. So many women have lost this because they've lost themselves in being a mom, a wife and cooking and cleaning and doing everything for the husband. And that at the end of the day, sadly, as important it is it is and it's so important and I do understand what a job you all do I really really fucking do but when you're left up shit's creek without a paddle this very hard to go on from there very hard to have financial freedom and to say okay I can leave and I know so many women that can't and I try and try and wrap my head around about what they can do and how they can do it and make their life easier and I genuinely can't unless they have some sort of financial health or financial sense or have got something to fall back on, you know, some skill set or anything they have to offer the world that isn't just being a fabulous mummy. So girls, please, please, I'll tell my daughter, I tell you all, I tell every woman I love, don't, don't give up your job for any man. I don't care how rich he is. I really don't. Number six, health goals in addition to your non-negotiable routine and self-care. Well, I mean, you know, I'm 46 now and it's sort of time that you notice how much things have changed within your body and it it's kind of scary actually. Actually, even between 43 and 46 is a huge difference. I really, really, really find it hard to shift weight, have the body I used to have, back of my arms, inner thighs, stomach. It's all a bit wobbly. I do try and walk every day or at least three times a week, you know, on a treadmill, very high incline and just put my earphones in. And funnily enough, listen to the time I listen to this podcast kind of gets me through it because I don't get time to do it otherwise. You know, I used to have a full on training session, which I realized at my age now, I ended up hurting myself more than doing good. Like my knees would go, my lower back. So it cost me more money and 
you know, chiropractors than it did going to the gym. And I don't think you really need to do that. I do think it's 98% what you shove in your mouth, girls. So I try now to do intermittent fasting, which really helps me. Like I'm now going off to reunion for housewives and all my dresses are pretty much sample size. So I'm on a sort of don't eat before four. I'm on my third cup of coffee right now. Been for a 40 minute walk with Sergio who pulls me up every hill. And that's all I can really suggest. I'm I'm blessed with genes that I don't really get really fat, but I'm definitely the fattest I've ever been on the scales. I used to be able to move one or two pounds easily, and I now just can't. I don't know if that's actually also due to having just done IVF and egg retrieval again, and whether that's also took me quite a long time to, to lose that. I think last time it took me a good year. It was nuts, but I'm not too hard on myself anymore because believe it or not, my very young boyfriend that you all judge me for doesn't give a shit how fat I am. In fact, he's a feeder, which is bizarre to me, but he kind of like, Sergio just loves me as a person. Self-care routine, you know, I do things like, I do see the back doctor. I do a lot of skincare with Cosmosurge, as you all know, which kind of leads into your next question, which is skincare fillers, procedures, if you've done any, and menopause. Well, I haven't reached menopause yet, please God. I still need to have a baby. But fillers and procedures, I'm big on. They're little tweaks. They're not serious. I've had no surgery They are just things that make you look fresh. They take about 10 years off you. But I will, girls, when I hit 50, I do intend to have a ponytail lift, which is half a facelift, my neck, my lower jaw, all of that kind of stuff I am going to do. I've always said I'm going to do. Fillers I do around my cheeks. I do around a little bit of my nose just to sort of make it cuter. Chin and jaw is huge for me. That's life-changing because it just gives you this sharp, you know, beautiful jawline. And I think, honestly, that's my key. Lips, I'm not massive on fillers, but I do do stuff. I've actually had anything that I had in it removed because the filler can migrate above and to sort of just above your lip and you look a bit like a duck. So I've had all that removed and I feel a lot more natural, to be honest. It makes your face look so much smaller. My face, you know, when you when you use fillers in the right place, I love it. it just gives you this beautifully contoured face and sort of enhances your natural beauty, as I'd say. And... Botox, I mean, I just can't live without. But it's all about the doctor. It is not true any doctor can do this. It's worth every penny. It changes everything. So do please find the right doctor for you. Research, research, research the right person for you. It's everything. Everything. If I do my lip again ever, I would do the lip line, not the lip. And then there are things like to get rid of lines, right? So you get lines in the skin. So skin boosters, I love skin boosters under your skin, which just sort of increases collagen, elasticity, and gets rid of fine lines. Really important. Number eight, how do I find the courage to celebrate your wealth? I'm not entirely sure what that means. But what I do think is, if you earn money, you should be allowed to spend money. Okay. Why in Britain or other places, if you earn it, you're meant to hide it. Like it's insane to me. If you earn it, I feel like what's the point of earning just to pay bills and just to, you know, make everyone else happy and then not be able to buy the things you like. You should be able to reward yourself. I've always done that. I did it from the first day I ever got my first paycheck. It's not about the amount of money you've earned. It's about just 
feeling good about yourself. I remember getting my first big paycheck, going downstairs, buying however much it was, I think five operation smiles to fix um, the cleft lips of little children. And then I went off and bought myself a handbag. So I did good and I bought myself something frivolous to make good for me. And I've always done that. And it's always made me feel good about myself. And celebrating my wealth. Well, what is that for me today? That's, you know, in any which way, a new car. I've just bought my home. And, you know, Sergio and I are doing our dream house, literally all the wallpapers I wanted, every piece of marble we've chosen, every lamp we've chosen, everything is ours and we've bought it with our own hard money. And that is the most exciting thing. And it's such a precious gift. And I can't tell you how proud of ourselves we are and how much we love it. So, and that only drives us to do more. It's not just to go and like, ha ha, look at what we've got. It's nothing to do with that. We're celebrating it for each other. We celebrate everybody's wins. There's enough room for everybody. If you look on Instagram, fuck a lot of people are celebrating their wealth. It's not just one person got wealthy and everyone else got poor. Go out there, push yourself. Celebrating your wealth is, you know, whatever it looks like to you. You know, maybe a pair of shoes. Maybe it's a fabulous meal out. Go celebrate yourself. You deserve it. You got it. You deserve it. Co-parenting effectively. Hmm. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy for anyone. There are ups and downs. So you have to have rules, I think. You know, even if you don't agree all the time, and sometimes you don't. In general, you know, Gemini always set out. Like we, there's the same bedtimes in my house to his house. On weekends, they change. That's up to me and that's up to him. But during the week, they have the same rules, right? So we know what what time the kids are going to bed. We have the same rules in the house for school days, same routine for the kids after school when they're at his house and when they're at my house. So we try and do things like that. We keep things like birthdays, Christmases, same routine. We always have them together. If there's an argument... We call each other and we try and get the other one to stick up for the other one. Uh, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, sometimes we're not on the same page and what can you do? It's not perfect. You're just feeling it out. There is no handbook to co-parenting. There is no no one to tell you the right or wrong way. There is, you know, it's, it's, and it's a lot of this time, it's a very emotional time to sort of push through. There can be things like, I don't know, you know, if you're a week on, week off, and then suddenly the kids say, well, we want to stay an extra day or two days at mums or dads. That can be quite emotional for the other parent. And then it's like, you know, do you push and say no? Or do you, you know, and then you have to call each other and make the decision. Can they stay? Can't they stay? It's a minefield. It's a minefield. But I can only say, keep your head. Try and keep your eye on the prize, which is keeping your family together keeping your children with stable and not fighting in front of your kids ever, regardless of what you do. Like, I mean, obviously we can have total text wars and then we'll go onto the family chat and go, mommy and daddy have decided this. <laughs> it's like everything is perfect. They would never, ever, ever know. And that is like, the biggest thing I can tell you, you can do. I could have an uh, all out brawl with my ex an hour before my children's birthday party and then get to the children's birthday party and we'll be a united front on the side clapping and blowing out candles. And that to me is an effective co-parent. That is all you can do and all you can wish for.
lots of things. If I want to spend money or if I need to buy the kids clothes, I ask first because we, you know, you have to split it. You can't just make all these decisions on your own. So every decision needs to be split. You can't ask for some decisions and not other decisions. And that's kind of the, the basis we work on. 10, my IVF process. So IVF, my last round didn't work, but I think that was my fault. I was very, very stressed. I had my my in-laws staying. We were running around. I didn't administer the medicine correctly. So at the moment, I have one baby boy on ice waiting for me. I don't think it's enough. I think Sergio and I will have to go for one more round after the summer. And I need to rest and I'm actually going to, we're going to Bali for a month. So I'm cleaning my body completely. No alcohol, we're trying to do no sugar, you know, lots of like eat, pray, love, sex, all of these things help um, your body and uh, no kids and no stress. So that's what we're going to do the whole of August. We're on a boat, we're going to chill, we're going to be just me and Sergio and we're going to help each other. He's going on the diet with me to make my eggs amazing and we'll do one more round afterwards. It's not easy, but it is it is doable. It really is. Don't be scared. Just get on with it. Get on with it. Make sure your partner's on the same page. Have fun with it. You know, really. At the end of the day, having a baby is a, is a measure of two people's love. Sergio's fully into this with me. So when I don't drink, he doesn't drink. He'll do the diets with me. He really helps me and he keeps me on track. So as I said, we've got one on ice waiting. We'd like to get one more, but let's see. Number 11, the mother-daughter relationship between you and your daughter. Well, I mean, always complicated, isn't it? She's 16. It's a lot easier than it was between, I think, 14 and 16, which was horrendous. I would say it's black. She would say it's white. My friend would give her a T-shirt. She would say, look, mommy, look, this is the best T-shirt I've ever received in my entire life. She's so cool. You're so not. And then I'd give her the same T-shirt. I have given her the same T-shirt and she would be like, what's this shit? It's just complicated. Teenagers don't want to think their parents are cool. Teenagers don't want their parents around. You know, there was a lot of door slamming, a lot of like rebelling, only wanting me around if I was paying a bill or taking her shopping, which, you know, drove me nuts. If I did something she didn't like, she wanted, she'd go to her father over me. It's a very, very, very difficult, difficult relationship to navigate. And then you've got periods thrown in. The first periods, the mood swings, they won't go to school, all of this kind of rubbish. So it's a lot better now. Now we can bond on many different things. And I've just taken her on holiday with her friend. And I think her friend actually was like, your mum's super cool. So I think that really helps when somebody else sort of thinks you're cool. And I think she respects me now. She sees my hustle. She sees how hard I work and what I do. And that she pretty much gets everything her little heart desires and has a very good life. And her friends think I'm cool. We are definitely, definitely definitely finding our own path. You know, it's difficult because I'm not the most huggy, beautiful mum. I really do my best considering my background. I try and sit with her and talk to her and she knows she can come to me about boyfriends and relationships. And, you know, I'm quite cool about everything. And we chat and, you know, she tells me everything, which is, you know, a great, great place to be. I wouldn't change it for the world. So I think... I have gone through the worst and coming out totally the other side. I feel very, very, very lucky, really. She's a really, really good teen daughter, got her head on the shoulders. And um, she's been wonderful to Sergio, wonderful, really, because she could have made that relationship quite hard. 
and they've really formed their own bond. And I can see that, you know, Yasmin is becoming an incredible, incredible human. So yeah, very, very, very lucky. My relationship number 12 with uh, Sergio's family. Well, that's amazing. I mean, having said that, this week's uh, episode on on the Housewives didn't help when uh, they saw that I was not wanting to sit with them all at the wedding, but that wasn't really also what I meant. I just meant that I wanted one day with his family and one and my family and one day with my friends, you know, who had flown in not to spend two nights because his family and my family were there for many more days than the wedding. And my friends were flying out. But anyway, that's another story. But my uh, Sergio's family have been incredibly welcoming. I've been super lucky, to be honest. They've welcomed my kids. They've welcomed me. And it must be hard. I mean, I'm only, what, 10 years younger than his mum. I mean, I'm sure I'm not his mother's dream of a daughter-in-law. And I'm not a cuddler. I'm not a, you know, kisser. It's It must be very, I'm very prickly. I, you know, I we've, we've found our own way around our relationship and I think we have a pretty good one. I hope we do. They all seem to, like Sergio's father just now asked to take my boys to Warner Brothers while we're in Madrid. I think it's really sweet. I think my son's super looking forward to seeing them. So I can't really ask for more. I really can't. It must be difficult because I'm so much older and I'm already established. But at the same time, I think they really appreciate the life that Sergio has with me and how happy he is. And that's all you could possibly want for your son. And Sergio is genuinely, genuinely happy. I feel very blessed. Yes, I couldn't ask for for more from his family. Number 13, the hardest business deal challenge you've closed or overcome. Well, I think... I think gift library, really, raising all that money for one business, keeping it going for so long, and then going through my court case and everything else and doing it on my own. And not that I had to do it on my own. I think it's just that I'm one of those internal people that likes to just solve everything on their own and not ask for too much help. And I've I've learning over the years that, you know, you can ask for help and you should ask for help and a problem shared can be a problem solved. You know, there have been so many deals that have been hard to close. Like, I mean, finishing my court case, closing my deal on my, you know, getting divorced is a deal, isn't it? You know, that that that's an emotional roller coaster in itself. When you buy your first house, that heart-wrenching thing of when, you know, will I, won't I get it? Is someone going to outbid me? The first step of going into a fund with your business idea and raising, you know, real capital that isn't from friends and family, that's absolutely petrifying petrifying all of which I've done you know there's no handbook to any of this and there's no one that can tell you the right way to do this you're always going to be a trailblazer in the first in your world to do it so don't listen to anyone else just go in there with confidence and go in there and sell yourself and the same goes with any deal you do really if you come from the back foot you'll never ever ever do it even my court case okay everyone told me I had to settle that I wouldn't win everybody I still went ahead because in my gut, I knew I was going to win and I knew I did fucking nothing wrong. But no one can tell you that. You can only, only you can tell yourself these things. So, you know, honestly, that is all down to you. Find the inner strength, find confidence. And, you know, when push comes to shove, it's amazing what we can achieve. This, I'm telling you, is all down to a vision board and manifestation and your gut. Follow your gut, ladies. Follow your inner voice. 
Your inner voice has never, ever led you wrong, never will, never can. It's the weirdest thing. You can make the wrong decision, but you can wake up in the middle of the night with your inner voice saying no, and your gut automatically goes no. Have you ever been around people that makes your gut and your stomach turn? You know you're in the wrong place. You know. You know in your heart. I remember being in the most beautiful place watching fireworks, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I think, sitting with my best friend on a mountain in Bali. It couldn't have been more perfect. The most beautiful, one of the most beautiful hotels in the world. And all she, she turned to me and said, you're not in the right place. She knew. And deep down, you know. And I think all of these things are business deals in, the, in, in some way, shape or form. They're deals that you need to get out of, get into. Your stomach will lead you. So don't push it back down. Listen to it. We're all built with intuition. We all have this little inner voice and it's there to guide us. And I never knew how much until now. You know, even when I was making the decision on Sergio, the back and the forth, was I right? Was I wrong? That inner voice just said, if you never don't try, you'll never know. And what's the worst that happens? And I was like, you're right. It's not that bad. Listen to yourself. You know, take the first step in a business deal. People always tell you why you can't do it because they don't want, people don't fundamentally don't want to see you succeed. Everyone loves to watch people fail because it makes them feel better about not taking that first step. Lots of people want to take the first step and don't have the courage to do so. So take the courage, get that first step going, you know, and get moving. Nothing good comes easy. Nothing will come knocking at your door. No one will hand you anything in life. No one. Remember that and get on with it. I hope I've answered all your questions today. It's been really fun. And um, I love you all. Thank you for listening to me all the way from Dubrovnik, sending you lots of love on your summer holidays. Stay fabulous. Stay listening. And please don't forget to rate and review. It really, really means a lot to me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action. 